a few weeks ago, Pastor Don was telling me some stories about his family life kind of growing up in a farming family and a farming community. When he was a young boy, he has lots of stories, if you know Pastor Don, but one story in particular, he remembers as a young boy that his uncles were having a really bad year farming, and they were really struggling to get a crop for a variety of reasons that he went into, but that year the the crop really didn't pan out very well. The crop basically failed, and they really had a struggle even to manage to get enough silage and food for the animals that year. It's a rough year. And he never forgot that, and of course grew up and maybe a little bit of a different era than we grew up. Then went to work as a carpenter by day and a farmer by night. And uh, his wonderful family and four children, and which I'm particularly fond of one, <laughs> grew up on a farm, ironically, just down the road from where I grew up. Near a little city up north named Chisago City. They raised some animals and they raised some crops. And one year, uh, Don recounted to me how it was kind of rough that year and very dry. And he prayed and prayed and prayed for rain. But then the rain came, but it came and other stuff came with it called hail. And the corn. Came back a little bit, but not much. But he did lose the, the oat crop that year. And make no mistake about it, it did impact the bottom line for him. I think farmers, more than most of us living perhaps in Lakeville today, understand the request that we will unpack today from our passage in Luke chapter 11. I want you to take your Bibles as we continue this exposition of the book of Luke. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 11 and find verse 3. But I think back in the day, and even now, almost certainly, godly farmers are found oftentimes wearing out their knees for their crops, not to fail. And to pray this petition that we find here in in the Lord's Prayer, Luke's version of it, in Luke chapter 11, maybe you could call it better, the Disciples' Prayer, in Luke chapter 11. Now, to get everybody up to speed, and especially our visitors here today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Luke, and we're going through line, uh, request by request through this prayer that Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. In fact, the disciples, they're like, Lord, we're terrible at praying. I mean, we haven't had good role models in the Pharisees. Like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus does. Doesn't tell them how and doesn't tell them when and bid on your knees and fold your hands like thus. No, he teaches them what to pray and he gives them five requests. The first two requests are for the glory of God and their prayer requests. Not praise, their prayer requests. And those two, first two requests for the glory of God then flow into what we begin today. Three prayer requests for our good. And that's always the order for it in our lives. First, the glory of God, which orders our heart and orders our thinking. And then, right, man's good, which always flows out of the glory of God. And we turn then to the three prayer requests for man's good. Today we begin the first one, and as many expositors have noted, the outline for these three requests is pretty clear. 
First, for provision. That's today. Second, for pardon. What we did today in our worship service of song. Pardon. Third, for protection. And we're going to turn one by one to these prayer requests for man's good, provision, pardon, and protection in the next times that we're in the book of Luke together. So as, as, as I re-read verses 1 through 4, I want you to look for God's glory, man's good, and as we read our passage together. So follow along as I read Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Verse 3 for today, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And so today we turn to verse 3, a prayer that is near and dear to our anxious hearts. Our fearful hearts. It's a request to be cared for by our Father. It's a request to have enough to be okay. It's a prayer for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Let me tell you something just before we get started. This is a prayer request. Teach us to pray, Lord. Pray like this. This is the kind of prayer request that pleases the heart of our Father. Right here. Okay. As other pastors have done and expositing, because it People have written on the Lord's Prayer and preached on it from time to time. As other pastors have done, I think of MacArthur and Kevin DeYoung specifically that helped me to see this. We're just going to move word by word through this request for provision. We're going to do that by asking four questions. For our visitors, we have bulletin inserts for today. You'll need it. Because what you'll see in the upper left hand on the, on the top is a New American Standard translation that you have, that, and also a translation from the Greek text right underneath it. We'll need to refer to that as we go. Question number one, then, as we unpack this prayer request give us each day our daily bread. Question one To whom do we request for provision? To whom? Kids? I want you to look at verse 2, the first word of the prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, say, and what's the first word? Father. Father. We have to remember, we are praying to our Father. Our Father. We're addressing God as Father, Abba, Daddy, Father, the one who has already received us, the one who has already, for me it was at age 27, welcomed us to his family freely, the one who has already poured out upon us in unspeakable Speakable ways, spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus that are yes and amen in the one who teaches us to pray. He's poured out on us unconditional love. This is our Father. This is one who wants us to grow, longs for us, loves us, 
disciplines us. We're praying to Father. Father, give us. Father, give us. Now, if you're a father, you get this. Honestly, you do. And all of us have had fathers. Some of us have had some uh, bad role models of fathers. And this just is very difficult to get over this word. May the Lord help you in that to see who your father in heaven is. A good, good father. There's some, something very natural, though, for fathers uh, about my children. I used to think only my young children <laughs> coming up to me and saying, uh, Dad, and then give. <laughs> Come on, dads. Daddy, give me. Dad. Father. Uh, I'm tired. Can I go to bed? Well, you don't need to ask, but they do. Or, Dad, I'm hungry, usually Mom, but you get the idea. I'm hungry, when are we going to eat? Daddy, I'm scared, I thought I heard and saw something in my bedroom last night. Or, just quiet and needing to talk. And I can tell you what, I might be pulled in 10 million different directions as a father, various different tasks that I've been given in life. (laughs) I could be having a really bad day, but when my kids come to me and ask me this, at that moment, I know who I am, and I know what my mission is and what I'm all about. Dads, at that moment, I know what I'm called to do. I love them. I delight to meet their needs, and Of course, it's fun for me. I like to give gifts to go beyond those things. I do. Dads do. That's what we do. How much more God? How much more our Father in Heaven? We're pathetic. In fact, Luke's going to get to this, dads. If we being evil know how to do this, how much more God, our Father? That's the argument. That's the whole argument of this request, of this prayer. So, we request God our Father as children, then, for daily bread. We, we recognize that God is the source of our daily bread, that He really is, that this is going to be an answer to prayer. And I know that you may work for a living, uh, you may have this job, you may have, have that job and earn a pretty good paycheck. You might call yourself fathers, you know, the provider of your home. And I would ask you, are you really that guy? Well, yes and no, and we'll get to that. But at the end of the day, who gives you the breath, that moment in your lungs? Who's giving you the brain to sort out The Excel sheets. Who gives you the strength to get up and to do that work and to finish that building? Who gave you the mind? Who gave you the job? You know, it's like my kids. And all illustrations break down. Can I get some food? And maybe, you know, we've been hunting, so we're going to make what's called duck poppers. And so, you know, marinated duck and... uh, Peppers, jalapeno peppers, cream cheese wrapped in bacon with jelly around them, and right, and they and they'll make those, and they're diligent to to do that. But at the end of the day, it's my credit card that goes to Cub Foods. Okay, trust me, I know. And at the end of the day, may we never forget. Our Father, who is the source of our daily needs, and He delights, He delights in supplying them. But more than that, He he delights to be asked and to be talked to 
intimately in a familial relationship, not to earn his love eventually and his salvation eventually by all kinds of effort. What kind of a gospel is that? We come to this prayer as Father already at the cross of Christ. He's made us children, and so we ask. Psalm 145, verse 15. Psalm 145, verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. I mean, this is God's common grace. Imagine His provision for His children as a good father. Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. And I was reminded of this the other day when we were talking about George Mueller. Kids are reading a book on the biography of George Mueller here lately, and I'll tell you, some people are given the gift of faith, whatever that is in the New Testament. We all have faith, but the gift of faith, I mean, George Mueller, he pled the promises of God. He trusted God for his daily bread. There was one time where the house mother of the orphanage, in George Mueller's orphanage, he had an orphanage over in Bristol, England, and back in the 1800s, and all the children, there are 300 of them in this orphanage, they all got up, they were dressed and ready to start their day at school, all 300 children in that orphanage, but there was no food for them to eat. So Pastor George instructed the 300 kids to go into the dining room, to sit down at the table, and then he thanked God for the food. And was quiet and waited. He knew the character of God. He knew what God had done in the past. He knew what the word of God said. Within minutes there was a knock at the door of the orphanage. And a baker opened the door. And I'm going to quote Mr. Mueller. Last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I will bring it in soon. He leaves. There is another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would be spoiled by the time the wheel was fixed, so he asked George if he could use some free milk. George just smiled, thanked the milkman, and brought ten large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. Let me tell you, those orphans had an awful picture of earthly fathers. I can tell you that, but they learned something of the love and provision of a heavenly father. You say, that's church history. You don't know my history. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, me of little faith. Seriously. Never forget the one to whom we request to Give. Father, give us. It's our Father, the God of heaven. Now quickly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Second point. Who, number two then, who makes the request for provision? And I just want you to notice once again, we've already preached on this, but the plural. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us. There's a plural here. I think we're so individualistic in the United States of America. It's our problem. It's going to be me who fixes it. Or, on the other hand, it's your problem. (laughs) Right? Church, it's you who fixes it. Goes both ways. Cuts both ways. No. We are the church. These are requests that we bring together the needs that we hear of together. And it may very well be that the God of the universe, the fa- our Father, supplies our needs through His other children who become aware of these needs in each other's lives. Don't ever forget the plural nature of this request. But quickly, let's turn on to the third question. So, Number four, number three, when do we request for provision? So we know the who is us, who's making the request, it's us together, but number three, when do we request for provision? Now this is where it's going to be helpful to have your bulletin insert. I just want to make note that 
we're kind of working through this in the New American Standard, give you know, each word from left to right, right, correct? But in the Greek text, it, it starts out in this order. Our daily bread, our, our, our bread daily, and the, and the word daily is better translated needful for existence today. It's very difficult to translate with one word. Daily is okay. Our bread daily give to us according to today. That's what the text says. And so we're looking at the second half now. Give us. Give to us according to today. That's the when of this request. This, this is a command of God, politely. Give. It's a, it's a, it's a present tense, repetitive command of God. Give to us according to the day. So this is a daily prayer offered to God for this day. Repetitively, over and over and over again throughout our lives. When do we pray? Daily, repetitively, over and over again. This is our very life as a believer, according to today, according to the needs you can almost supply of this day. We request and talk to our Father daily. Oh, what a delight to God for His children to come to Him desperate and needy like this and talk. But we don't. Now, let me just stop and just ask you this and be honest, don't say it, don't raise your hand. But when is the last time you've prayed this prayer? Honestly. It doesn't say yearly or decadely. This is a daily, this is the first prayer for our good. Right here. This is super humbling for me. I ask the same question of myself and you know, I flip the pages of my calendar. Because we have an abundance here. And and we're, we're and we're working so hard, right? Around the clock. And everything's going well in the sense of our finances. You, you know, I you got this life where you've worked hard, you're kind of comfortable, everything's going well, you've got a good savings account, a nice 401k or a 403b, 9, or whatever it happens to be, the pantry is full, there are steaks on the grill, financially you're stable, and this becomes your goal, this becomes the answer to your own prayer request, and it almost actually feels like spiritual success some days. Now, I think there's nothing wrong with working hard. I've got, we've got the whole Bible to work with here and being blessed by God, that's wonderful. And it's not money, it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. But let me tell you, don't put your hope in your own efforts and your own job because let me tell you, at age 52, wealth has a way of finding wings. Stuff wears out. Oh my word, that refrigerator. It needs to be replaced. Let me tell you about your car. You know where it's going? Bob Bonham told me this. It's going to zero. It's going to be worth nothing eventually. We're so fragile. If cancer strikes, it changes everything. 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 If your house burns down, all bets are off. We need to be reminded by the when that we are each day dependent upon God. Thankfully not the God who is just the, the, the set-apart one of the nations, this transcendent God in heaven that, um, that His kingdom is coming and He's wound us up like a clock and He's let us figure it out ourselves. no. By the transcendent God who has become near in Christ and who delights to be our Father and delights to have daily communion with. This is the God we serve. And He wants to be talked to. And He wants to be depended on. And He wants us to love Him each day and to ask Him for what we need each day. We need to be reminded of the when. 
of the present tense nature of this verb and the word that is repeated to the point where we can't translate it. Daily. Daily. For every breath, for every beat of the heart, and so that when we're there, we sit down at the table with our kids, and they're alive. Thankfulness wells up in our hearts. We have this roof over our heads, clothes on our back, and the good food that he supplies us each day. And so, that's how God works. He gives food daily. You don't pray this when you get saved once and then the God of the universe, you know, puts a huge dump of food in your backyard and goes on and does his rounds and then you figure out sorting out his one dump of provision. It's not how he works. It's day by day by day we start over. We start over. No, he's not interested in that. He wants to be involved with us. He's in a relationship with us as our Father. He loves to hear from us. And He's promised to provide for you today physically, for today spiritually, for today. We'll get to that next time. Emotionally for today. Seek first His kingdom. Prayer request one and prayer request two. And His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And don't worry about tomorrow. Believe me, Jesus said. We can get an amen on this one. Today's got plenty of trouble. So I want you to see that ultimately our fear and prayerlessness and franticness in this area of our life, this about ends being met, I think we need to be reminded of the truth that we're talking to our Father. We're not in this alone. We've got each other. <laughs> and that this is a daily relationship with the Lord. And that's what we read in our scripture reading in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He doesn't want us to be worried about what we'll eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to put on. He says, you're going to be, um, look at the way the flowers of the field look. They are more classy than Solomon of old for crying out loud. And then he pins it, oh, you of little faith. It's a lack of faith in our Father that is frantic and afraid and scurrying around about so many different things. And He has promised provision for one day. Oh, me of little faith. And so this orders our thinking, doesn't it? Daddy, I come to you, I need help. Daddy, give. Father, give. And that leads us then to the heart of the text. Now we get to the heart of it. What do we request for provision? There's three aspects. We'll take it word by word, as I said I would do. Our daily bread. But we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to start with the bread and move to our. Are you with me? What do we request for provision? Let's start with bread. What does this bread mean? It means bread, but it doesn't just mean bread. In the ancient Near East, this word, in, in, as it's used in other passages, it's in that culture, it's, it's not just bread. Bread becomes a metaphor for food. And, and it's not just bread and food. It becomes a metaphor for all the needful provisions of your life. This word entitled bread. But what's exciting about this, brothers and sisters, is it's bread. I mean, how boring is bread? How mundane is bread? I mean, God our Father wants us to pray the mundane little things in our life. He wants us to go there. Lord, help! Lord, this little moment, this interview, this conversation, help me right now. I need you for the little things. This day, Father, we're in relationship. 
And I was thinking of my children, I'm you know, teaching them to pray, right? And of course, we all get into this trap where we say things like, dear Lord, thank you for this day. And I got super spiritual one time and I said, can we stop saying, dear Lord, thank you for this day and get on to like praying, right? You know, you say st- stupid things like that as a dad. And now I realize, no, they're the one that has it right. Dear Lord, dear Lord, they get it. I thank you for this day. This is the day, Psalm 118, that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in that. And of course, not taking that out of context, we realize it's connected to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The joy this day. So, go ahead and pray that way. It's good. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about bread. It's not, oh, you might give us a stale piece of bread. No, it's all kinds of food and good gifts that he gives us in our needful provisions. One time, I was on vacation a couple of years ago. Finally. So I get there. First day. First day, I'm excited. I'm on vacation. My phone is off. It's secured in my wife's purse. I'm up early with a book Ready. I grind the coffee. Thanks for the coffee, boys. I grind the coffee. And I bring it up. I smell. Oh, no. I can't smell the coffee. Long story short, I muscled through in bed and fever and sweats my vacation just in time to hop on the plane and go back to work. But what a gift that coffee smell is. Or uh, my son Micah and now Josiah like to cook and he taught me how to cook a steak and it's three and a half minutes at 450 on one side, three and a half minutes and 450 on the other side and enjoy. What a good gift. It's not boring bread or praise God, Brandon, you'll like this. Praise God, we've moved on to some different communion wafers than those portable pieces of styrofoam that we used to use. (laughs) Because it's a reminder that it's not just bread. Okay. And I still remember this. I could go to the booth as a young child. And my parents, you know, we didn't go out to eat all the time. So when we went, and they took me to Red Lobster once. I could still go there in Maplewood to the booth. I was 10. Because it was such a big deal. We went to Red Lobster and had all the, you can eat steak, I mean shrimp. I still remember where I was sitting. It made such an impact. It just reminds me of the goodness of my father towards me. and my, We're talking about our heavenly father here. And his good gifts to us. What do we need for provision? We need bread. Not any old bread. He's a good, good Father, and daily bread. Now this is the word, as we work our way to the what? To the next word. The word daily here is translated daily, but it's, oh, it's, it's as best we can do. I mean, what does it say in your notes? Uh, needful for existence today, bread. So, it's very clunky, but it's the idea that God has promised right here, and we're praying for provision for God for what we need for daily existence today. And I think there's an illusion, in fact, I'm convinced of it because the Greek text is exact, to Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. So put your finger here and turn back to Exodus chapter 16 and to that familiar manna from heaven passage, which is clearly what Luke has in his mind as he writes this section. And that specific technical word that then forces us back to Exodus 16 as we, follow, as we follow around here authorial intent in interpretation. So Exodus chapter 16, you're turning there, and as you're turning there, um, let me give you just a second of background here. So this is the whole congregation of Israel is grumbling against Moses and Aaron. I mean, the poor guys, they were getting beat beyond recognition in Egypt. And now they're complaining and they want to go back. And they've forgotten certain aspects of that. (laughs) And are only thinking about a little bit of the food that they had. Grumbling as Moses, would that we had died by the Lord. 
in the land of Egypt. We used to have pots of meat. We ate bread to the full, but we're out here and we're about to die of hunger. We're free, but let's not talk about that. We're about to die of hunger. We pick it up then in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. Take a look. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. This is after their grumbling, by the way. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. Why did you need to say every day when you said a day's portion? Why did you need to say that? And Jesus is referring back to this passage. Okay. Go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. Whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, uh, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Let's stop there. So, I want you to see that our prayerlessness in this passage is often replaced by something else. Getting nasty, because we're meant to see it by grumbling and complaining. It really is. And what we're seeing is this prayerlessness is a manifestation then of, of what grumbling is, and it's clearly in the first five books of the Bible connected to unbelief. So, this is going to be a faith issue to pray this prayer. It is going to be a faith issue. Go out and gather a day's portion every day. Don't gather two or three days. That's got to, those next two or three days have enough, there's enough don't, there's enough trouble for today. God's provided for today. This is a daily seeking of our Father, a daily get, hearing of His instructions, a daily prayer, a daily seeking, a daily gathering. But God Himself has provided. And yet you gather. And yet you get off, and you get up, and you gather. Am I right? You gather. And that, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but food for thought for a few of you is the word our. I think there's something here. Kevin DeYoung put me onto this. This is his idea. But I think he's right, but I'm not going to get into it. But I'm just telling you that God provides, but you pick up. There's a provider, and God's called me. I'm responsible to get up and to gather, to get up and to work, knowing that every moment, every breath, every brain cell, every opportunity, every interaction, every dollar is a loving gift from the hand of my Heavenly Father. He reigns provision, but I'm called to gather It's our bread in the sense that it's not their bread or that bread. This is our bread that he's provided me. Get up and gather. Get up and gather. Here's what de Jong says, and he's relying on a Dutch theologian here. Just listen to these words. Food for thought, and we're going to move on. Quotes. By what reason do we have the right to claim it as our daily bread? The Dutch theologian Herman Witsius argued that when we say our, we are taught industry and justice. Industry because praying for bread doesn't relieve us of the responsibility to work for that bread. We say our because in an earthly sense we have earned what God is giving to us. And then justice because our means, uh, This means we are not looking to take what does not belong to us. In other words, we do not expect to eat by sloth or by theft. We ask from God only what we need and what we could expect given our steadfastness with the opportunities we have been given. In quotes, you can think on that later, but we're dealing with every word. Our daily bread. What do we ask for for provision? Answer to the question, our daily bread. So now we've answered our four specific questions and for the balance of our time, which is not much, we will then move in to really drive this home. 
So listen carefully. What does this request for provision teach us about God and about ourselves? And you can see that this is in your notes. Number, it teaches us at least two attributes about God. Number one, that God is caring. That God is caring. Now, your Father cares for you, believer. He cares for you. He sees your struggle. He's not just this transcendent set apart of the nations going to come eventually, but not now. I'm, uh, no, he want, he's near. He, he wants a relationship. He's there. He knows about your physical pain. He sees that rash that keeps you up at night. He sees your pocketbook. He understands inflation. Matthew chapter 10, they're anxious and afraid, the disciples, about so many things. He said, men, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Brothers and sisters, this teaches us something about God, that God is our Father, that He cares for us. He cares about our needs, our hurts, our emotions, every bit of it. He's thinking about us right now. You say, don't be so man-centered. Have you read Psalm 139 lately? Pastor Don, how many of the thoughts of God, our Father, towards us, as much as the sands of the sea? All the sands of the earth are God's thoughts to us. He's not indifferent. Talk to Him. Come with faith to the Word of God. Cast all your care, as Peter said, upon Him. Cast it upon Him because He cares for you. So I want to remind you, He is your, uh, a good Father and He knows how to provide and he knows that, and he will do that because he cares about you. Secondly, he's faithful. God is faithful. God will never fail you. Wayne Grudem has a good definition of the faithfulness of God. He says, quotes, God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he has said and fulfill what he has promised, end quotes. And because he is faithful, because, listen, because God is faithful, we can have faith. You're not saved or provided for because of your great faith. It's God's great faithfulness that matters. Because He's faithful, we can trust Him. We can re rely upon Him. Even when it seems like we're not going to eat, even when we lost that $9,500 to the IRS, They're wrong. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Lamentations 3, 22. Just write it down. For His compassions never fail. They are new. When? Every day. Every morning. Not once a year. Not once a month. Not when He gets done winding up somebody else's clock. No. Every day. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then he goes on. The Lord is my portion. A food term. <laughs> we know that means more than that. Says my soul. The Lord is my portion. Says my soul. Therefore I have hope in Him. He's caring. He's faithful. And He's my caring and faithful Father. And so that leads then two attributes of God lead to three attitudes of the believer, the child of God. Three, I'm thankful for Kevin DeYoung for listing these off. Number one, gratitude. Gratitude. There's a heart of thankfulness underneath this prayer request. As we meditate on it, you'll see it. There's a heart that comes to Father every day and pours out their heart for daily bread that there's a thankfulness underneath that prayer request. Thank you for this day. A good prayer now. <laughs> Thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. 
Thank you for my family. There's a heart of gratitude that gets God's provision in the daily grind. It sees God there. It finds God there. It finds joy right there and presses on in the midst of unspeakable stuff. Presses on knowing that we are thankfully in the double grip of the Father and of the Son. And that gratitude then leads to a second attitude. Contentment. The C word. Contentment. It's what it does. If we're praying daily for our needful daily bread, we become so thankful for the little things. We're thankful and we we see how God provides. I believe that when we are filled with self-pity and complaint, we should stop and write 15 things we're thankful for. We need to start journaling more. What happened? We don't write stuff down and so we're so forgetful of God's goodness in our life. I mean, I did that George Mueller story for a purpose. I know every one of you are saying, George Mueller, give me a break. That's probably fabricated. That's not the God I serve. Watch out. Watch yourself. Maybe I would dare say if we began to pray this way daily and record how God provide, we would have our own stories to tell. And we do, as we're even thinking now. Don't we? We have our stories. So contentment flows out of this gratitude. And finally, and those two attitudes really are where I began and where the exodus passes and pushes us, not to complain, but to faith. Number three, dependence. The bottom, at the bottom of this request is dependence, is helplessness and dependence each day upon our Father. That's what it is. Dependence should go in the blank. Now, my best friend, I've known him since I was two. He's one of those guys. at least now, after Chris died. My best friend is a grocer. And he and his family own a grocery store uh, up north near where um, Donna and Naomi grew, uh, Jody grew up, I grew up. Brinks Market, and it's about an hour away. And it's really easy, isn't it, with a well-stocked grocery store, everything at our fingertips, to really feel this prayer request, to feel our dependence upon the Lord for the food on our table. I think taking a trip to areas where they do pray hard for daily bread would help. It helped me to travel to Sierra Leone, where Fatima just got back from, and she thanks us, incidentally, for the prayers, for wisdom she was given, Fatima was given, to minister to her brother from a healthcare perspective, but not only when you were in Sierra Leone, but Found, found out the brother is, uh, came in, is putting his faith in Christ and was baptized and is now believing and trusting in Christ. Brother Melvin, so praise God for that. It's an answer to prayer. Let's write it in our journals. How he ministered to you. But go there and see. Just go and see the beauty and the need of man. The heart of dependence is the heart of a child. This is the heart of faith. And by faith, we believe that the one who teaches us is the very bread of life that has come down from heaven. And that by faith alone, we have consumed the Christ. He is in us. We are in Him. His death is ours. His life is ours. And He ever lives to intercede for us. You're just fine. Your inheritance is set forever. By faith we believe in the true bread from heaven. By faith we believe that we address this prayer to our Father. And by faith we sing the hymn written by Annie Hawks, I need thee every hour. In joy or pain, come quickly and abide. Or life is vain, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. And we come and we pray by faith. Hallowed be thy name.
thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Let us pray. Father, grateful for this passage in Matthew chapter 6 and all of these passages that you have provided for us. Forgive us for our fear. We're all here. We're all not exempt. We say, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Teach us to pray. Jesus, you're excited to teach us to pray. May we as a church learn to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. We forget not the great needs that we have in this church, the sufferings and the, the neediness. Oh, I want to encourage, Lord, encourage us at who you are, but encourage us on, on the beauty of the church, that we're not in it alone, and that we can be open and ask for prayer, and maybe we'll be the means to the end for these provisions. We're grateful we're not alone. We do pray for your work among this world. We do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. We pray, Lord, there's pain and suffering from so many different families, Palestinians, Israelites, not exempt. Everyone's not exempt over there. Please limit the evil. Please protect those taken hostage. Please deliver them. Please protect and give wisdom to Israel's leaders. I pray, Lord, that the gospel would go forth in that region and take root in the heart of, of people. Protect the missionaries that are hunkered down and give them great opportunity and wisdom to pray. Lord, we thank you that you hear all of these prayer requests and they're connected together. Hallowed be your name in the Middle East. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread, Father. Bless the remainder of this time and the remainder of this special day. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.